welcome to this week's episode of The Thinking Podcast. And this is your host, Jeffrey Wu. I'm really excited to be talking to Neil Harbison, who's been recognized as the world's first cyborg. And you might have seen his talks and presentation on TED and in, in different media outlets over the past, what, 10 plus years now. Uh, so welcome to the show. Thank you. So where are you? Looks like you're in some sort of uh, studio, laboratory. You were mentioning before you were going live, a bunker. Yeah. Can we you describe your, your situation? So it's a secret location in Barcelona under. Uh, so you need to go down some stairs to, to get here. And then we do some uh, things here. Just a few hours ago, we were having some implants. So there's a bit of blood on the... Because we do the surgery on a, on the piano, so this is actually a, a piano. Wow. But we use it as a <laughs> as a bed and as a surgery table. <laughs> how's how's the, uh, the 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 cleanliness and the no, it's very sterility. Clean. We we clean so it a lot. like Dexter. Have you seen Dexter? How clean? Yes. Everything. So a bit of we use a lot of plastic, and then we do the things, and then we remove it. So okay. it's very clean, yes. Interesting. So who got implanted and what was implanted in, in well, so this afternoon? Well, they did a transplant. We transplanted a chip from one place to another. So it was actually okay. a, it was a transplanting a chip from a, um, a place to another. Basically. Yeah. So I'm curious about your story getting into uh, really, really, I think, just kicking off uh, a serious inquiry into the notion of being a cyborg. I think it's been a part of science fiction for, you know, you know, for, you know, at least, you know, decades. But I, I think there wasn't a serious inquiry of people actually trying to become cyborgs until I think you started experimenting over a decade ago. Um, and looking a little back into the story, you had like a, I guess, an art project where I, I guess you're colorblind and you were seeing if you could create a sensor that could uh, allow you to perceive color through sound. And then that brought you to a full journey where this became uh, a permanent fixture that has not only just sort of recovered color perception, but also increased your uh, senses beyond what is typically associated with humans. Can you walk through that journey and, and how you got started along this path? Um. Yeah, I guess it became as uh, I was always curious about color, and also um, I wanted to have a way. I wanted to sense color, but I didn't want to change my sight, so I didn't want to create any type of uh, element that would alter my vision. Because to me, seeing in grayscale has many advantages. I have better night vision. I can see longer distances. Mm -hmm. I memorize shapes more easily. So there's many advantages of seeing in grayscale. So my aim was never to actually change my sight. I wanted to sense color, and to do that, I needed. I had to create. I wanted to create a new sensory input, basically, that would not be altering any of my existing senses. So I didn't want to use headphones. I didn't want to use electronic glasses, and also I didn't want to wear technology because I found that it would be uncomfortable to wear a sense. Right. So I wanted to create a new organ, a sensory organ, to have a new uh, sense, basically. So. Uh, uh, that was the aim. And then, I, first of all, I, I tried to think of how to sense color. And there's been many theories through history relating color and sound, because they're both frequencies. So 
The aim was to create some system that would allow me to feel color through the frequencies of light. And right. then I needed a new organ. So I looked at nature and I thought that an antenna would be uh, one of the best organs to have because it's 360 degrees. So you can be pointing somewhere else when your senses are focusing somewhere else. So I wanted to have an antenna to create an antenna implant so that I would sense color independently from my existing senses. And that's how it all started in 2003. Wow. And now it's expanded beyond just sensing color, right? Like what are the latest capabilities of your antenna? Yeah, so I sense from infrareds to ultraviolets, from near infrared okay. to near ultraviolet. And then there's also internet connection, so I can receive colors not from the antenna, but from external sensors. So uh, right. people can send colors directly to my head using a mobile phone, or I can connect to satellites, and then I can sense the colors from space. So the internet as a sense allows me to separate my body from my sense of color, and then I can be here, but my sense of color can be in space. So I like right. exploring this experience of separating my body from my senses. Yeah, it's interesting because I think in computing, so my background is a computer scientist, and uh, you have distributed sensors, right? Like that's very normal for a computer to have sensors that uh, that collect input and, and it comes into the central, you know, pro in a CP or something. Um, you're applying that to biology where you have, a, a, I guess, a, a light frequency detector sensor that's in space that's transmitting to your, I guess, your local receiver. Yeah, so exactly. this is not uh, AI, uh, it's AS. Right. So it's not artificial intelligence, it's artificial senses. And that's what, what I, I also was very clear from the beginning that I didn't want uh, to know the colors of things. The, if the antenna was telling me the names of colors, that would be AI. And I was not interested in AI. I wanted to sense and experience colors. So that's why yeah. um, at the Cyber Foundation, what we do is AS, so cybernetic uh, well, artificial senses, not yeah. intelligence. It, it, it makes sense, right? Because like, if you're colorblind, like the notion that the the word of purple or blue or red has no meaning to you, right? They're, these are just like concepts that we apply towards senses. So you're essentially, so so yeah, just by telling you, hey, purple, 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 when you're like looking at something that's purple is is meaningless. But exactly. actually sensing and feeling it, I mean that you're developing some intuition around what purple feels like. Or like that's something that we get or someone with a you know normal color vision would just naturally perceive you're you're recovering that intuitive sense of color yes and we are all colorblind because uh, it depends on which species you compare yourself with so uh, from infrareds are colors that exist but um, our species does not sense but we could all sense through uh, antennas for example or any other way of sensing these colors so it's a bit, um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot that we cannot sense that we could sense if we just merge with technology and add new senses. So I think, yeah, no, I think that's a great point. It's very, it's very anthropocentric to say, Hey, this is, you know, the visible color spectrum is a very narrow spectrum of electro electromagnetic radiation is what we consider color. But yeah, I, I know there's a fish that have four rods that you can theoretically detect, you know, a, a, an extra dimension of color. Right, like that would be interesting. So, bring it down to a more practical point. So, uh, do you have any interesting anecdotes where you're picking up senses from with with your with your antenna that unaugmented people uh, don't realize? 
like do you have like you know uh, do you have a super superhuman super super sense story where you're you're like walking down the street and you're like picking up something that no one else around you picks up um well the infrared allows me to detect if alarms are well movement detectors are on or off and in most cases these sensors are used for alarms uh and in many cases they are off and I can tell if if the if it's fake or not uh, the movement. <laughs> so many That's cool. shops uh, are uh, fake uh, and um, or they're not working. So that's <laughs> I can that's a cool. That's a or that's a cool superpower. Control. If it's the remote control that is not working, or if it's the television, I can tell also by hearing if there's infrared or not um, coming out of the the remote. That's cool. Yeah. Um, what else? What yeah. What else is sort of unintuitively there so i guess you're picking up infrared so yeah like motion detectors remote controls are infrared driven anything that uses ultraviolet or why have have you considered expanding into like x-rays or gamma radiation or is that just too noisy to keep extending but then it always detects the dominant color so in order to hear it it would be it would have to be the dominant color around me i see so if there's a lot of ultraviolet, then I will hear the ultraviolet. If it's so, if I go beyond, it will always, I think, be based on the dominant. But right. yes, relative. Um, otherwise, yeah. At some point, I would only hear ultraviolet during the day if it yeah. was because um, ultraviolet sometimes everywhere. If it's uh, yeah. so, yeah. You need to choose. We're in Barcelona, there's still a lot of um, things going on outside. A bit of, um, I don't know if you. Yeah, no, I mean, if you've been, if we've been following the news, uh, yeah, recent tragedy there. So I hope hope everything is okay in in Barcelona. Yeah, it's slowly recovering. People are. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it seems like you know what are other external senses that you've seen have become interesting or you're looking into. I know. Uh, one of your uh, collaborators has uh, sensors in her elbow that detects earthquakes. Um, what other interesting senses have you well, have you worked with or come across? To moonquakes, so Moon will be sensing moonquakes uh, now permanently from September fifteenth. So she will feel these vibrations on her foot. So right. Whenever the moon vibrates, her foot will vibrate. So instead of physically going to the moon, the moon will come to her feet. Uh, so that's, I guess, a new way of exploring space. Right. Um, also, I'm creating the, uh, an organ for the sense of time with um, Orian in, in New York. Uh, it's going to be circular, and it's uh, going to give me a point of heat that will slowly go around my head, and it will be inside the, between the skin and the bone. So I will feel mm. the sun going around the head. It will take 24 hours, so it's going to be like a, having a solar clock inside my head so feeling the heat here means that if i feel the heat here it means it's 12 o'clock in london noon that will be zero then if you go that's more iceland and then you go to the atlantic this will be the united states so i will feel the sun position and then this will allow me to have a an organ for the sense of time so if i have this for several years I want to see if I can alter my perception of time. If I want the situation to last longer, I'll program the heat to go a bit slower to see if my brain thinks that time is going a bit slower or faster. So it's taking Einstein's theory of time. Time dilation. 
into practice to see if we can alter our perception of time if we have an organ for time. We should, in theory, because we have eyes for sight and we can create optical illusions. I'm sure we can create time illusions if we have an organ for the sense of time. So that's my interesting. That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, would you imagine you'd, you'd be putting yourself into like a black box where that time-sensing organ is dominant? I mean, how would you? I'm curious. How would you imagine setting that experiment up? Well, we are here in, in under um, under. There's no wind ground, so okay. no way of me knowing uh, what. Then there's no clocks either in this space. So I will be uh, in here in this bunker for some days or weeks if I can be for some weeks so that I can have a full um, experience with my solar uh, crown. Interesting. Yes. How is that going to, I mean, that seems like a pretty interesting operation and implant. I mean, can you share a little bit of more details around how that exactly uh, is going to work? Well, the prototype is, but it's basically a silicon uh, with a uh, heat reactor that will slowly allow me to feel the circulation. First, it will be permanently outside for a few months so that my, okay. also to test that it doesn't burn. <laughs> but it's a bit complex because it needs a, an, a two thermometers, one to detect the heat outside and one to detect the heat of my body. Otherwise, I would either get burned depending on the temperature or I would not, not feel it. So yeah. it's a bit complex to create it. And that's why it's taking more than a year to design it. And it's I awesome. see. That makes sense. Interesting. So I'm actually curious. So it seems like with a lot of your efforts, you've been focused on external or artificial senses. And a lot of folks in our biohacking community around... Uh, you know, especially people that are trying to manage their uh, metabolic syndromes are very much in terms of, are interested in, in understanding and quantifying their internal uh, metabolic state, right? Like I was mentioning before, a lot of people sort of have quasi implants with uh, continuous blood glucose monitors or, you know, you know, understanding their metabolic panels. And there's a lot of interesting research in Silicon Valley of having a cont continuous measure of receiving um, you know, their blood glucose or blood ketone levels as it evolves through, through, you know, through the day in, in terms of in, in response to eating or fasting and, and everything that you do normally. Have you looked into any of that sort of internal sensing or what is your, what are your thoughts in, in that, in that realm? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I'm more interested in external. Well, I see it as an input. So right. using technology to receive things that my body cannot sense. I, right. I, that's what I'm um, really interested in. But I yeah. understand the interest also in, in knowing how our body works. Um, or, but, I, but I think it's also like a new sense, right? Like it's like a, just as much of a sixth sense if we just now have a quantitative understanding of, okay, like this is... Uh, what my glucose levels are, this is what my ketones levels are, this is what my you know, lactate levels are. No, a sense is stimuli from the outside that comes into our body. That would be a sense. Uh, receiving well, I, I, from the outside, wouldn't it? Well, 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 I would say like you can feel things inside, right? Like there's a sense of uh, 
pain coming from internally, right? I, I would say like if you go from the broadest perspective, like it's a new input, a new input channel of, you know, ex I guess it's like our brains themselves are just sensory, you know, a sensory node. And there are things that it can detect from the outside or inside our body, but they're just still inputs into the brain. If you see what I'm saying. Um, not fully, but yes, I think there's a difference uh, between um, also because um, we have like not f five or six senses. We have, yeah, we have many senses, like right. sense of time, the sense of uh, um, humor, even. Yeah. So there's many ways of defining sense in a broad way, or yeah. you can simplify it with the five sensory organs or six sensory organs, which is uh, sure. there's there's maybe not not more detected, there's maybe six sensory organs and which are based on receiving stimuli from the outside right? and then processing them. And I, that's the part that I'm mostly interested in. I yeah. find it's, there's so much that we cannot sense from the outside that, yeah. uh, that would change the way we perceive reality. I don't know Absolutely. if my yeah. levels would change my sense of, I'm sure it's interesting, but uh, um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a, I don't think there's a, uh, no, no clash an argument over, or I, don't, I wouldn't say there's like a hierarchy of value or anything. I think it's just like, it's interesting that there's broad groups of people interested in increasing capabilities of humans, right? Like, yeah, you can talk about externals or you can make a bifurcation between external, external inputs or inputs coming in from the body but yes i would say that like you do we all intuitively feel like when you're like eating a high sugar meal or when you're like cranky in the afternoon because you're low on blood sugar we intuitively feel that right just in our mood and, and how our body moves but i guess it's like sort of the biohacker in, in in our sense is really saying okay let's quantify that and how do we understand that and potentially manipulate that for you know better performance of the day but yes i mean i think absolutely understand from uh your focus is like how do we add new external stimuli sensors um to to you know you know do things that normal people or like unaugmented people um won't be able to do um i'm curious um in the sense of describing yourself as an artist so did, like did you always have a art artistic aesthetic you know as you as you ventured into the space i mean it seems like there's you know some segment of uh what you're doing is performance art in, in some in some sense right and some aspect is uh really i i, I presume thinking that this is the future of humanity um how do you how do you navigate sort of these different tensions. I I see these as art. The creation of this and this is an artwork, but it's inside my body. The creation of the sense is an artwork, but it's inside my mind. So it's for me the creation of a new sense is an art itself. The creation of an organ is an art itself, and the design of your perception of reality is an art. So I call this cyborg art because uh, I think it's an art itself and I think we'll see many more artists that will uh, create new senses and new organs and will design their perception of reality and that will be their art. The issue with cyborg art is that 
the artist is the only one experiencing this art. So I'm the only right. one experiencing the vibrations inside my head. So right. it's a bit of a post art because it breaks <laughs> the tradition of art, which in the tradition of art is the artist, the audience and a space to perform. In this case, I'm the artist, I am the audience, the only audience of this art, and right. I am also the space where it's happening. So it breaks with the tradition of art. So it might be seen in the future as post-art, and will many more people, or perceptionism, because the aim is perception, and you cannot really sell perception, so it's it also breaks with art, because it's a, an art form that only the artist can experience inside the mind or the body. Right. That's 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 interesting way to look at it. Then then, when you're giving presentations and talks, the, the, there's definitely a performance to the meta audience, if you will, right? Like, yes, I do not perceive your your sensations around your specific art, but we do see the like we we meta see like like the composition with the artist, the art, the the space, and and the audience in in you. So there's like different sort of layers to what we're viewing, right? Like in some sense, when you're on stage presenting your work, you're also an artist in, in, in that level, right? Yeah, I guess the only way I can share the art that I'm experiencing is by <laughs> explaining my experiences to an audience. Right. There's no other way of actually sharing it. I've done paintings and I've done some color concerts that can uh, in a way reveal part of this experience, but the actual art is is in, in here. So it's right. impossible for me to share uh, right. in the way I'm <laughs> experiencing it. Yeah. As you have an antenna implanted in your head, that would right. be the closest uh, thing to experiencing this art. But yeah, this uh, artwork, whenever I die, will be uh, whenever, I mean, the same way that you can have uh, organs that are donated when you die, this will be in the list of organs to be donated, so any other artist or person will be, uh, I guess, uh, willing to have it implanted in the head. So the artwork will continue in the one else. <laughs> That's a cool way to look at it. Um, I mean, it seems like, in one sense, that uh, synesthetics, people that sort of perceive uh, color as sound, what is your interaction with people that? Uh, have synesthesia is is it a how is that conversation like so synesthesia for people that don't you know know is sort of like the people that can pick up they feel they claim they they can hear colors or see colors that that, that ascribe to music yeah I say that I hear colors to simplify it but I'm actually feeling a vibration inside my bone that then becomes right. an inner sound so it's different from my sense of hearing. To me, right. hearing is through the ears. This right. is a, a new sense, but the closest is uh, hearing because uh, I can actually hear, as a secondary effect of the vibrations, an inner sound. But if I was completely deaf, I could still perceive color, and if I was completely blind as well. So it's an independent sense. I don't need to hear or to see to sense color. So right. uh, it's difficult to compare. But, and in synesthesia, it's the union of existing senses. Uh, in this case, it's the creation of a new one. But yeah, the closest would be people who can hear sounds as color right. or who, who when they look at the color, they hear some sounds. And right. I've met some people, but the, the sounds that they hear do not match the physical sound of a color. So if we could hear red, 
hypothetically, we could hear the frequency of light right. read in a note between F and F sharp. And I've never met yet uh, synesthet, someone with synesthesia that has the same scale as the frequencies of light. Right. Which, which makes sense. I mean, I think yours is, yeah, there's like a very mathematical notion of your, how you're picking up and in, in, in amplifying sound, right? right. Or, or colors into, in, into vibration where, yeah, it, it just like, it, it is relatively un, unknown how synesthetics uh, are actually perceiving their, their sense, right? Like there's, you know, the skeptic in me is sometimes saying, are they making it up? Like, is something just misfiring? It's hard to tell. Where I think in your case, there's actually a vibration that's calibrated to, as you're saying, the frequency of light. So it's like a very mathematical notion of, of what your sense is doing. Yeah, I think yeah. some some doctors say that we are all born with one sense, which is all of them together. And then as the mo from the moment we are born, our brain starts separating these right. sensory inputs. And some people don't separate them uh, completely. So they might have vision and sound quite together and then hmm. these people have some connections with sound and vision right uh, so i think it, they're not making it up i think it's true that some people might <laughs> some senses quite uh together but intertwine yeah but they never really match the frequencies mathematical transposition of light to sound i've, I've never met anyone with this interesting so i think since you've you know have an antenna since I guess 2003 it seems like more and more people uh are starting to experiment and, and become cyborgs uh, I'm curious um you know how you know how large is the collective and 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 how is the movement if, if you call it a movement how how you know how do you see this growing yeah I see there's an uh, it, it will definitely be an art movement because uh, now that I've met many artists that they've at least created the prototype and they've worn the sense. Uh, and in one case, he's at, since last two weeks ago, he already has it installed, which is uh, Manel Munoz, an artist that has a, a way of sensing the atmospheric pressure changes. So he feels mm -hmm. if the pressure is going up or down. So this allows him to predict if it's going to rain. Uh, also, it allows him to feel his altitude. So now he's Interesting. in the mountains and he's uh, actually uh, experiencing his new sense uh, and he's enjoying this and he will create, well, he sees this as an art itself, the creation of this sense, but he can also then create maybe external artworks. Um, he's a photographer, so he might it might change his type of photography. Yeah, I think in the 2020s is the decade when we will see this becoming more common and more normalized. Now there's some people around the world doing some experiments and we've been doing a lot of, giving a lot of workshops in art schools as well and there's an interest. But in the, eventually there should be a career or a degree on um, the creation of sensors. So sensor uh, design or right. species design, designing what species you want to be, what organs and sensors you want to have. So right. I think it will be, or a cyborg art degree specializing in the creation of sensors and organs sooner or later i'm sure there'll be a university with this speciality yeah i think it's interesting so i agree with you that at, at some point there everyone will be a cyborg to, to some level and i think there's uh a couple I'm, I'm curious to see how you think the future will play out uh 
there's one painting of the future where everyone is sort of like this androgynous. Everyone has like the same implants, same capabilities. Or I think what is seems to be more likely for to to how I see the future unfolding is that there's going to be more and more diversity with people implanting all different types of sensors. I'm curious as you project out, yeah, 2020, 2030. Um, how do you see how do you see the world unfolding? Like, do you see everyone on the street with antennas and air pressure gauges and uh, paint that paint paint 2030 for us. Well, I think diversity will be much greater. So what we now call diversity is nothing compared to what we will call diversity in 10 or 20 years. People will have their own senses and organs. So um, that's something we need to prepare ourselves with that we will meet someone and this person might have a sense that you don't have or an organ that you don't have. And I think many people will start identifying themselves as transspecies, which is the addition of senses and organs that are not traditionally human. In this case, this is a transspecies uh, implant, like a, the surgery was a transspecies surgery. That's how I define it, because it's the addition of an organ that is not human, uh, an antenna, and the addition of senses that are not traditionally human, ultraviolet and infrared perception. So. In this case, it's adding senses and organs that are traditional for other species. An antenna, there's many insects that have antennas or infrared and ultraviolet perception is completely normal for other species. So I think we'll see many people adding senses and organs that might be normal for other species, but that not traditionally human yeah. and also senses that are entirely new. Yeah, I think I think it's like a, I think that's, you know, that makes a lot of sense for I think today's sort of tribal collections are based on we all have the same senses more or less and people are dividing up on either political beliefs or skin color or you know you know where their ancestors origins came from but it could be interesting if you start seeing sort of people binding together but i, I guess you already see that people are binding together around shared interests uh shared political goals or shared sociological goals and what you're seeming to imply is that people will start binding around shared sensory experiences so you could so would you imagine that there'd be a group of people with antennas like all sort of having affinity towards each other is that what you're sort of seeing or um maybe there will be like families that will have a specific sense yes because eventually these senses will be inherited in my case we don't know if if i have a child because my brain has changed if i had a child maybe the uh, this sense would be inherited without the technology, but also when this stops mm. becoming um, so you're saying like some epigenetic thing is happening in your brain that might pass some yes. Some or, characteristics or, on or stop using technology as well when you start uh, adding these senses by genetically modifying ourselves or right. by implanting antennas that are made from our own DNA so when we can 3d print organs with our own DNA new organs and add senses by modifying our genes then if this person with these new senses and organs wants to have a child we don't right. know if these new senses or organs <laughs> will be dominant and a child can be born with an antenna or with a, a, a new sense uh, because right. of the um, genetical changes so we are in the renaissance of our species the beginning yeah. of a, a, a huge change and, and some people are are aware of it others are not, but that it's uh, to me. It's very clear that it's happening. Once yeah, and I, I, absolutely, I think we should be having more and more of these conversations. 
because it is going to happen, right? Like there will be more pe more people implanting for advantage or for you know it, it sort of recovering a, 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 a deficiency. More and more people will definitely do it. I'm curious that we all, to, uh, oh, we all need, yes, I think deficiency, but it's it's that we still cannot survive in this planet. That's um, <laughs> we've been changing this planet in order to survive. The philosophy, I think, of a, a cyborg should be that we should change ourselves in order to survive in this planet, not the planet. In this case, now we are using artificial light because we have no no night vision. Right. So, if we had night vision, we wouldn't have to change the planet. We wouldn't have to create or waste energy to see at night. So, I think slowly society will see that we need to change ourselves instead of changing the planet. Instead of using heaters and air conditioning, we should be able to regulate our temperature. So that's, I think, one of the social aspects that I think also will, will give uh, more um, uh, sense. It will make more sense to become a cyborg uh, if you want to stop changing the planet and start changing yourself. Yeah, that, that's interesting, right? It's a lot more efficient energy-wise to, yeah, to manipulate ourselves rather than change like this huge space around us. Yeah. I'm actually curious in terms of opening a potential an ethical can of worms uh you know when you have children are you going to give them antennas or is it going to be up to them how, how do you if, if you thought about it how, how do you how would you navigate that yeah i would never force anyone to have an antenna no so it should be their own uh, anyone's decision right okay one's own decision to have uh, what senses and organs one wants to have yes i would no not influence this but if this was genetically uh, added, so if I added the infrared and ultraviolet perception genetically, right. and I implanted this antenna uh, by 3D printing it with my own DNA, we don't know if I if I had a child, if this child would be born with the genetical changes that I made to myself. So that's right. that's that. Uh, in a few decades, maybe in the end of this century, children will be born with new senses and organs because the parents genetically modified themselves. So, and then if they decide to have children, these new children will be born with these new senses. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think you already see this happening for as a therapeutic. I think there is uh, the first CRISPR uh, human embryo uh, just recently. So there are genetically modified humans, and, and these are more designed for... As a, as a therapy right like recovering some sort of disease um but i think i think you make a great point we're all deficient in some ways right like what is even the norm of like what is even normal right it's like a cultural artifact of, of normalcy so maybe we yeah like that that is going to be very fuzzy as people sort of redefine what normal is so people yeah maybe will be yeah crispering their kids like that that isn't going to be that wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me at all well, if you define yourself as transspecies, then normality is much wider because that if you compare yourself with other species, many, yeah. many things are normal. Having an antenna is normal. Seeing in black and white is normal. Um, sensing ultraviolet and infrared is normal. So right. many, many things will be normal if we uh, define ourselves as as a species, not as human. So I think I feel very comfortable <laughs> define myself as a transspecies because I'm interesting. Interesting. So does that mean you have more of an affinity towards uh, animals? Yeah. Uh, um, okay. Interesting. So, like, uh, I, I I don't know. Do you are you are you vegan? Do you not eat animals? I'm I'm actually curious how that applies into like a day to day. As a teenager, I've never 
uh, liked eating other species. So, uh, but wow. uh, okay. Since I, since I'm um, since I sense infrared and ultraviolet, I feel also much more connected to these species that sense these colors because we now share a sense. So if I see <laughs> an animal staring at a wall and I sense this infrared in that wall, I'm sure that the animal is staring at the infrared, not at the wall. So I <laughs> share an experience with other species that I, I didn't before. So the more senses we add, the more we can connect with other species, not with machines. I think many people think that becoming a cyborg brings me closer to a machine, but I, I feel like it makes me feel much closer to nature and to other animal species. I think that's a great way to look at it. No, it's interesting. I mean, so do you, so in terms of like in fellow antenna species, do you, for, do you feel more affinity to bugs and, and traditionally creepy things then? Yeah, some people shouted me, um, what's the name of that fish? There's anglerfish. They, they call yeah. me anglerfish as a, trying to, I guess, insult me, or, but it actually, I don't feel it's a bad thing to be close to a fish. Uh, I, I do have some organs that are now uh, very traditional for other species, yes, antennas. If I see an insect with an antenna, I feel, yeah, a closer connection than I did before, yes. That's really cool. I think, um, I, I might, I like, you know, I've been, thinking about, you know, like factory farming and, 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 and our treatment of other species as, as, as a human society. And it, it is like pretty brutal. And you can imagine in 100, 200 years, uh, if we're 3D printing all of our food, et cetera, that we would look back on factory farming practices of essentially enslaving cattle and pigs and chicken and putting them in, you know, a small box and having them breed and pump out their children and, and eat them and kill their children and like as, as a pretty uh, unethical practice that today is uh, is commonplace. So absolutely, I, I think that kind of broader thinking of thinking across species as opposed to just being very human centric is I think I think I think what the future will kind of look like. I mean, I'm actually curious. I mean, I, I appreciate that you actually kind of live to that standard where like you don't eat other animals. Because I think for me, like, I, I think about it as a moral problem, but like, I'll still, you know, I'll still partake in eating them. Um, haven't gotten around to uh, overcoming that hypocrisy. So appreciate that you actually believe it and, and actually carry it through in your in your everyday living. Well, I hope you do it as well. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not good at convincing, but uh, I, think, um, I think you shouldn't eat other species. You'll feel <laughs> better. Yeah, no, I, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm curious in terms of uh, mortality. Um, have you thought, I mean, as we're developing more and more um, capability to alter ourselves, what do, you, what do you think of the notion of enhancing our longevity? Um, would you want to live forever? I'm curious if you have any any any, any thoughts or yeah, I think philosophy around that. Focusing on on making your body live longer, right. but uh, I'll be working on a on a di different way, which is to uh, in, instead of making my body live longer, I want my brain to believe that I've lived longer. So that's why I've created the sense of time. Um, if you can create uh, an optical illusion because you have eyes. You can also create a time illusion and if you have an organ for time. So you could potentially make your brain believe that you've lived 200 years. If you right. have an organ for the sense of time and you make time go faster or slower, 
you could uh, sense that you've lived 200 years. And in this way, you don't need to make any physical changes. So that's what I'll be testing. Once I have the sense of time, I will not only be able to make a situation last longer or shorter, I will also, in the long term, uh, be able to change my sense of age, in theory. So that's a way of living longer, is either to make your body live uh, longer or fool your brain, which is uh, what I'm going to try to do. Interesting. And, and at some point, you should, you should experiment with turning it backwards. See if you just like, your brain freaks out. It's like, oh, I'm going back in time. <laughs> I could try that as well, yes. But that <laughs> so my brain needs to get really used to the fact this one first. So I'll have right, it right, in right, right, right. Yeah. normal rotation, so 24 yeah. hours for many years, I think, at least two or three years, so that my brain feels it's, this is reality. And yeah. then I'll start doing little tweaks, slight changes. Yeah. Maybe an hour might last a bit more, a bit less, or five minutes will last six. So to see if I can actually feel the time is right. stretching. Or not right yeah is there anything else in terms of you know it sounds like that's like one of the big projects any other exciting cyborg projects that you're you're personally excited about that you want to share uh, moon and I created the transdental communication system a couple of years ago and we are perfectionizing it it's uh, so I have some spaces here no tooth so I, I have space to create uh, new uh, implants so we created two teeth uh, one in Moon's mouth and one in my mouth, that whenever I click, Moon receives a vibration in her mouth, and whenever oh. she clicks, I receive a vibration. And um, so we both know the Morse code. So depending on the the, uh, 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 the rhythm, we can actually send words to each other, and we call this the transcendental communication system. It works with uh, Bluetooth, so it sends the vibration to your mobile phone, from your mobile phone to wherever she is, and then she receives it from a mobile phone to the tooth. So it works through Bluetooth. So it's a Bluetooth tooth that allows you to communicate from mouth to mouth. That's and awesome. It is a communication system that would work in space because there's no air there, or it would work under the water. Right. And we've experimented it. We have it uh, as a, um, it can be installed in the tooth now, but we're trying to make it as an implant so it can be permanently implanted but there's issues with the battery because now we we're using the battery as uh, under the um, here the roof of the mouth okay of speaking was a bit different so we're trying to make the battery system maybe it will charge by clicking as well right we have to maybe brushing our tooth will while brushing it we can charge it so we're trying to find a way of charging the tooth <laughs> interesting great um uh, this is a fascinating discussion. I, I want to be respectful of everyone's time here. So, how, how, you know, how how does our community learn more about your work and, and follow the progress? I think the the time dilation experiment sounds very interesting. Um, how do how do we, how do we and, and all the listeners keep in touch? Um, I don't know because I'm not on Facebook or Instagram since January the first. So I'm, a, <laughs> but I um, I don't know. I don't know how what they could do. Um, all right, so then I guess we'll have to reschedule, you know, in, in the next. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll coordinate and get an update as, as you progress. I mean, people, I think, will be interested in following. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll be online again on January the 1st, uh, 2018. Okay. So by then I have Facebook, 
and Instagram. That, I usually post things there. But this year I'm offline. Why? Just just to unplug for a little bit. Um. Yeah, because I just this year I, I I decided I would be offline for a a, a long list of uh, reasons. But I'll be back online in 2018. Awesome. I appreciate the work you're doing. Uh, it's 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 edgy. It's pushing the limits of humanity, and I think we need more and more people that are pushing the extent of of humans. I mean, I think there's too many people. Uh, I think sort of happy with the status quo. So keep 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 being you. I mean, it's awesome. Um, yeah, let's stay in touch. I mean, I'm super curious to see how your experiments uh, in hash out and 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 help spread the message here. So we'll we'll talk again soon. Okay. Thanks, Neil. Thank Cheers. Bye. Bye. Yeah, uh, Neil is a character. Um, that was a, a a fun guest to talk to. Thanks, Neil, for bringing him on our show. Uh, as always, uh, follow us on YouTube, Apple, iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Uh, shoot us some questions. Sounds like uh, uh, Neil will be offline for the next few months, but. Uh, we'll definitely keep in touch and, and, and update you on the progress. I think he's doing a lot of interesting, edgy, somewhat crazy stuff. But hey, like that's that's what innovation. Uh, that's what innovation. That's how innovation happens, right? You got to have people pushing what's what, what the limits. Um, thanks so much. See you guys next time.